there are these two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way. He nods to them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit. But then eventually one of them looks over and goes to the other one. What the hell is water? David Foster Wallace. Guys, this literally sums up me and religion. You see, I was brought up in a religious family. I was christened Greek Orthodox, very young. I went to Greek school on Saturdays. I attended church on Sundays. I took communion. I sang along to the hymns and chants. And well, this was just my life. I didn't actually think about it. And just like those fish, I didn't question it. It just was until I met my husband. And one day he asked me a very simple question. Why do I believe in God? So simple, right? And I actually didn't have an answer. I'd never been asked that question before. And the even scarier thing was, I'd never even asked myself that question before. I was 21 years old and I'd never even looked at my belief system and asked myself why. And well, I'm not alone. Today's guest, born culturally Hindu, found herself asking a similar question and embarked on a journey of discovery. And nothing was off limits. A non-absolutist, she kept an open mind and ventured out to faith healers and godsmen. She had a potluck dinner with witches, drunk volcanic water with a shaman in Peru, got a hug from a saint, chanted for hours and hours on the beach in Mexico, hired a medium to convene with the dead, and yes, even visited the John of God. And while sharing her experiences and surprising outcomes on her TED talk took her viral. Based on her book, Stalking God, My Unorthodox Search for Something to Believe in, her TED Talk has now been watched by over 4 million people around the world and has been translated in over 20 languages. So guys, get ready to hear her conclusion in a raw and candid discussion about faith, beliefs and challenging everything we've been taught with the ever-curious Anjali Kumar. Hi. Welcome to the show, girl. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, um, so I'm just going to put it out there. I, I'm a little nervous. I've never been nervous before in an episode. So that's just like a very um, um, honest pers- uh, explanation of where I'm coming from in this interview. So thank you for being here. It's a true well, honor. Man, don't be nervous. I think uh, these are the things have to talk about, right? Like these are the things that drive everything. So it's important to have this conversation. So when you started to, to explore and ask questions, how did you approach that? Because for me, and I think a lot of people out there, it the, diff, the biggest difficult part is from having a belief system or being brought up in a certain way and then just initially questioning it. Like that first question, um, explain to me what that looked like for you and how you were able to actually get past that. Yeah, well, you know, the, the initial questioning that sort of sparked this whole journey and project um, was the birth of my daughter. So she is now 10 years old. And when I had her, I just realized I didn't know what I believed about religion and spirituality and sort of bigger questions in life. It wasn't that I believed a certain thing and I had never questioned why I believed it. It was more that I realized I didn't know what I believed. Um, So for me, being raised Jan, but culturally Hindu, it was really part of being Indian. It was really inseparable from those things. So I think that's part of why I never questioned it growing up is because questioning my religion would be like questioning whether or not I'm Indian. And I was Indian. I know that to be true. So it was a very easy um, thing to just accept. But then when I had my daughter... um, my father, it was a conversation with my father actually that triggered the whole thing where he was like, oh, have you taken her to the temple yet? You should just show her what we believe. And that sort of stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, oh, wow, what do we believe? Like, 
I don't even know. If you if you sat me down and said explain everything about Jainism, I'd be like, we're not supposed to eat meat. Like I don't, you know, I don't know. Like why you know it's like we believe that all life is equal. Like it's you know I don't I didn't know a ton about it, and so that's what started the whole thing. Because I was like, well, I don't know what I believe. And I had never questioned it. And so this was as good a time as any to figure it out so that I could answer for my daughter when she inevitably asked, what is God? Is there a God? How do you find happiness? What's the meaning of life? All the sort of big existential questions that I would have an answer. Like I have all of this exposure and I just don't get it. So I'm just going to try to figure it out. Yeah, but you were a lawyer. So what were, did you have any fear of judgment when you were telling you know, the people around you, obviously, like, I would assume being a lawyer is very much based on facts and evidence and things like that. And then here you are almost going off on a totally, like the antithesis of that, where like, I'm going over to explore people's beliefs. So um, talk to me about, did you have any judgment or anybody putting, um, you know, trying to like dissuade you or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, what was interesting about it, so when I started this whole thing, when I had my daughter, I was working at Google at the time, and I was an attorney at Google. So if you know people come to me for answers all the time, that's literally my job is answering questions. And then I work at a company that is also set up to answer questions. So if I don't know something, I should be able to Google it. So that was sort of, you know, that was sort of the joke of it, but it was, it was really true where I was like, well, here's a set of questions that my kid is inevitably going to ask me someday that I've never really explored, I've never really thought about, and I cannot Google a satisfactory answer. And admittedly, at first I was doing it pretty quietly. I was kind of like just going and saw a healer here, would go do a meditation thing or whatever. But then I started telling people about the stories that, you know, just because they were funny, but they always wanted to know more. And they were always really curious and they would start digging in and then they would share like their healer or a tactic that they had tried or some guru that they had met once that they're like, you should go explore this. Like they were into it. And then it sort of became a thing and it just became sort of this fun project, but really the underlying purpose of it was sort of bigger. Yeah. What was interesting, what you just said though, is how you were doing things in the quiet at first, you weren't really talking about it. And then when you started to talk about it, other people started to admit, oh yeah, I've actually done this. And oh yeah, I've actually done that. So what do you think there is about the judgment of it where people like, why why do we live in a society? This is quite a big question, but why do we live in a society where we can't always be open and honest about the exploration of it without the fear of judgment? Um, the change in conversation, at least on the coasts of the states, and I think in other, you know, maybe major cities, um, is pretty significant. Like where when I first started meditating, I think people thought I was crazy and like super yeah. woo woo. Now it's just like everybody meditates athletes meditate, actors meditate, like everybody talks about how they meditate and bankers meditate. Like it's a thing and it's not seen as woo woo or spiritual. It's just like a practical tool. And the last remaining taboo is still religion and spirituality, which I find so interesting because ultimately it's so much of what drives us. It drives our politics. It drives our decision-making. It drives how we raise our families, how we interact with the world. It's, it drives everything, but somehow we still don't feel comfortable sharing those belief systems. And I think that's a problem. And so it doesn't mean that we all have to agree that, you know, this is the one answer because I don't know that there is an answer. I'm certainly not an expert, but um, I think you know, that if we don't start having these conversations, then we're not really getting to the root of what binds us together. And that seems like a shame. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And, you know, talk, talking to someone who went and like had potluck with witches. So like you going into that with such an open mind is the most beautiful thing honestly that a human can do because I really think that if the entire world like if I could just like sprinkle some dust on people to just be open to opinions like it doesn't have to persuade you you don't have to feel threatened by it and I don't want to label everybody right but you're right is that the second you challenge someone and I actually used to be like that like when my husband asked me if I believed in God I got I literally was like well what do you mean like I was like, you know, like, I was like, come on, like, are we going to fight? I was like, what do you mean by that? And it is a hundred percent true, but at least for myself to reflect back and say, the reason why I felt like that and got so on guard was because I didn't have an answer. Now, again, I don't think everybody's like that, but at least for myself, which I now look at and go, wow, that's amazing. Every time someone now questions anything I believe in, if I have that response, I see it as the most beautiful thing because now I'm just like, oh, there's something I didn't even look at here. They've just shone a light on it and now I can act. So I totally hear what you're saying. And I'd love to know how much backlash you got then on all of these different avenues and journeys from the outside world and then the community that you were entering. Did they feel threatened by you coming in and questioning? And the second part of that is, did they try to persuade you? Oh, so interesting. So the first question in terms of backlash, um, not backlash so much. There were a few negative Amazon reviews where people were really mad at my book, you know, where they're like, you know, Jesus is the answer and you are wrong for not figuring that out. So there was a bit of that, not a ton, but a bit. Um, There were definitely a lot of inbound emails and people sending me things where they were like, I do have the answer and let me convince you of my answer. Mm -hmm. Super interesting also. Um, and then in terms of the, the communities that I went into to sort of explore, people were super, super welcoming. I was always very transparent about what I was doing and people were really excited in those environments to talk to me about their beliefs, right? Like, so maybe they didn't want to be named by name, but they were always very forthcoming because if you go to something like that, you go to a retreat like that, or you go to see John of God in Brazil, or you go to, you know, a witch's potluck dinner, like you're you're already in, like you're, you're signed up to that, um, to that way of life. And so I found people usually pretty welcoming and forthcoming. Um, so I never went in being like, I don't believe what you're saying. You have to convince me. I think it was a very different conversation, right? Like I wasn't coming in like an investigative reporter, you know, news seven, like I'm going to, I'm going to show the world that what you're doing is a, a load of caca. Like that's, that was never, the intention that was never the tone. Yeah. This may sound like a weird question, um, but did you find that every single thing that you tried was binary? And what I mean by that is being Greek Orthodox, I I felt like I either had to be all in or not at all. And that was actually part of what I personally struggled with because I love even now, so I, um, you know, publicly say it, I don't believe in God. That's not to say that I don't think there's something out there. I'm, I, I would be naive to say that I know everything, right? So I leave that percent open to being convinced. I'm always open to being convinced. But I love going to church, the feeling, the emotion I get with being with my dad and being with my culture. And I really struggled with that because I'm like, I have to be all in. Um, and believe in God and go, or I have to let everything go. Did you find that um, common 
Right. So, you know, the, the things that I did, I kind of intentionally avoided the big box religions for this project, right. uh, mostly because sort of as we discussed at the outset of this, I wasn't really shopping for new religion. I was just trying to figure out what I believed. So it felt more like a smorgasbord of opportunities, right? Like it's kind of like what pick and choose what you like from this menu of options and that you could take elements and pieces from all of it. You know, it felt like, you know, in terms of everything I went through in my book, I feel like I could conceivably do all of those things and create a practice out of it that worked for me. If indeed I wanted to do that, you know, that that would not, they wouldn't be necessarily in conflict with each other. It would just be nuances that sort of cobble together to make a practice for me. And Mm. that's sort of what I've done. Not entirely, like some things I've left at the door, but um, other things that resonated for me that maybe wouldn't resonate for you or vice versa. And I don't think it makes it right or wrong. I think it just makes it a different um, entry point to a similar philosophy or conclusion in the end. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa.
Look, being being so open to go to all these things, I'd love for you to tell us the story of um, the potluck dinner with the witches, um, and then the was it the shaman that laid on top of you? Um, an Indian guru, but I feel like shaman guru can be used interchangeably. But how did you then open yourself up emotionally to be okay with, you know, to, to, to try it? And that's what I feel is so beautiful is even, no matter how strange it may seem or unusual or atypical, you went in and did it. So if you can talk to me about that and did you learn anything from that? I'm curious. Oh yeah, I learned a lot. That was a really wild experience. So this guy's an Indian guru um, who does tantric sound healing. <laughs> so my friend who invited me on this, who's a hilarious woman, and she was like, you have to come with me on this retreat because she knew I was working on this project. She's like, he's down in, he's coming to Ojai and he's a guru. He does tantric sound healing and he lies on top of you. This is her description. And he yodels into your chakras. <laughs> like, yeah, he lies on top of you. He, he yodels into your head and then into your throat and then into your tatas. And then he yodels into your cooch. And so I end up at this retreat and it was wild and, um, uncomfortable and challenging and it was it was interesting to me to put myself deeply outside my comfort zone and to see what stirred up and again I never felt unsafe I never felt like it was sexual or inappropriate in any way which is strange but it it just strangely did not feel that way um it felt spiritual in that it felt other people and so witnessing them have a spiritual experience was also pretty interesting and also it's quite an intimate experience as one can imagine um so just that whole thing of like holding space for other people as they're going on their journey was really instructive for me so i feel like i still got something out of it even if i haven't gone back for another retreat yeah well then i've I've got to pick your brain on this because i'm all about data when i build a business when i do anything i'm like show me the data the data sees everything metrics proof test and analysis like I'm so in that world and this is why I was so excited to talk to you is because you're a freaking lawyer and you still wrote a book about this so your your career is all based on facts stats statistics things like that how did you allow yourself to be open to people telling you things when there's no proof yeah, you know, that was really the the rub of the book. I mean, the journey of the book is like almost every chapter, I kind of swing back and forth between those two parts of myself. I just like that lawyer, I worked at Google, I'm like a tech lawyer. Um, I do like data, I do like, you know, I believe in all that stuff too. So I present a lot of the data. I'm like, well, here's the research. Here's what, you know, I went to go see Hugging Amma. She goes around the world and gives hugs. Literally, this is her job. And she's got a good gig doing it. Like she doesn't charge for the hugs, but she's got a big business surrounding the hugs and people really believe in her and I went to go see her in midtown Manhattan and you know for me it was it was interesting it was a lovely experience it was a nice hug um but a lot of what I wrote about in the in the chapter was about oxytocin release and like just you know the data around her her business and her empire and all the things I could find out because I like to research stuff I like to google things and so I liked having information when I went into these things and then the other side of it is just, well, what was it like just to be there? What was the experience? And then that part is through my head and my heart always constantly in conversation and battle. Um, and I think that's what makes the tone of the book a bit unique in terms of this type of exploration. Um, I'm not a theologian. You know, I'm not an expert at any of these things. I'm, I'm a guide, maybe. But I think maybe, you know, folks that came along with me on the journey, whether through the book or the TED Talk or 
anything else is maybe because of that, because it was a bit of an accessible entry point. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to have all the answers. I don't either, but I'm willing to do the work for you. And maybe the book just makes you laugh and that's all it is. Maybe it exposes you to something that you're kind of curious about, even if it didn't resonate for me. And that's sort of the point, just a conversation starter. Well, I'm just going to say, I actually think it's more powerful that you're not a theologian. I think it's more powerful and impactful that you don't have that experience. And the reason why I say that is because you're not, you don't have a dogmatic stance, right? You don't have a dog in the fight. It's like, you're not committed to anything. And I find that that, that happens a lot with, if there's any backlash or if, you know, I'm in a discussion with someone, it's because they have to their core, they believe in X and you cannot convince them no matter which way, but you didn't have a conviction, right? You didn't yeah. have that. And so I actually think it's even more powerful to follow your story and hear all these really funny anecdotes about like the situations of, you know, all these different things you did, um, including John of God. Talk to me about that and how you, in fact, kept your mind open. Because here's the thing, when I, start, when I first heard you talk about John of God in an interview, I hear about, oh, yeah, he can, you know, fix cancer from the other side of the world by pretending to cut someone. And so I just go, well, that's impossible. But what people say about faith is it's believing in the impossible. So how did you even go into that with an open mind? Yeah, I mean, okay, so John of God, there's a... There's an update, the postscript to from when I went, which was nine years ago. He has since unfortunately become the face of the Me Too movement in Brazil. <laughs> so he, there's a lot of controversy. Oh yeah. Um going down somewhere like that, it was it was definitely a leap for me because I was like, Well, who is this guy? Like, why is everyone so curious about him? And I kept hearing about him and I was just curious. And so I went and it was a bit of a win. But it was a wild experience because it was really you know, it wasn't my cup of tea. I didn't understand it. I don't speak Portuguese. So I wasn't sure that he understood me or anybody else understood me as I was trying to present him with my my wishes. But what I got out of it, which I talked about in TED Talk and really the conclusion of the book, was something totally different. So it sort of didn't matter that I didn't believe in it or I was unsure. It didn't really matter that I didn't personally get anything out of it, quote unquote, whatever that means down there. Like I didn't, you know, have this big revelation or anything. But ultimately, what I did find is that um, sort of my research <laughs> showed uh, that people were all looking for the same things when they were down there. So basically what happens when you go down there, you bring kind of three wishes, almost like he's a genie in a bottle. And you're supposed to bring your three wishes um, of things that you would like fixed, sort of physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever they might be. And the idea is that John of God, I mean, I don't know if he's still practicing, I believe I believe he's in jail, but if he was still doing his work, that he would sort of set these dead saints and doctors that he channels to work to get the job done, to like fix these things for you. But the other thing that you can do is you can act as a proxy for other people and save them the trip. So you can bring photographs and the intentions of those people, sort of the wishes of those people down with you down to Brazil. And so before I went down, I ended up telling a lot of people, I'm like, oh, I'm going down to Brazil. I'm going to go see this healer guy. I don't know what the story is, but this is what he says to do. Yeah, sure. If you want to send me a picture, feel free. And what ends up happening is my inbox was just flooded with emails of colleagues, of friends of friends, of random people, like just all kinds of different people sent me emails asking me to bring their wishes down to Brazil. And I noticed a few things in common. The first thing was that 
everybody gave me very detailed instructions on how they could be reached, which I just thought was funny because I was like, you know, just in case the stuff is, <laughs> they don't want their wishes being delivered, like their good fortune to, to someone them. else. Yeah, it's like, don't get it to my neighbor. I'm in apartment five. It's like they wanted <laughs> zip codes you know it was really i just thought that was funny the second thing that we thought was really interesting was that almost every single email like everybody asked for the same three things and basically in the same order and it was uh, health happiness and love and basically in that order so they might have phrased it very differently but it boiled down to those three concepts and so now you know in the times of covid we can all understand health like of course that would be the most important thing right it seems so obvious now but just interesting happiness the kind of happiness that's like soul feeding happiness and love i mean who doesn't want love right like a, a romantic life partner like an epic romance um so that was a very humbling realization but then the third thing that everybody said which i thought was the most interesting thing was that they all ended their emails almost to to a one the exact same way which is that they would say please don't tell anyone so i was like well i'm gonna do a book <laughs> i'm gonna do <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to do interviews because it just, it struck me as so heartbreaking, but like, here we are to our point again, like earlier in our conversation, like talking about the stuff that really matters to us. People are like coming to me, to a stranger in many cases with their deepest, darkest wishes and they're ashamed of it or they're feeling quiet. Like they feel like they're not supposed to want those things. And it's like ultimately the stuff that binds us together. And what a, sh what a sad thing that we can't talk about these things. Like we all want the same thing. But I think it's really interesting that people were willing to have a conversation with a stranger about this stuff, but not their best friend or their mother or their daughter or their, you know, colleagues or whatever. And ultimately this is the stuff that could actually get us through to the other side. And so um, that's why I keep talking about it. Cause I'm like, don't y'all know that y'all want the same stuff? Like, why aren't you focus on that? That feels important to focus on. That's why I think your book is so important and everything that you're doing is so important because like, I mean, there's no coincidence that your TED talk in just English is at 1.5 million views, right? So there is clearly something to the fact that people want to talk about it, but they can't. They feel the judgment, the shame, the guilt, whatever it may be. And it, I mean, right, talk, talking about proof, it's like the proof is, is that everybody ended their email with, please don't tell anyone. And that made it even more important for me when I heard you say that, like this, that's why this episode is so freaking important to me. Because I think that there's so much that we don't talk about. And here's this big thing over here that, that we don't talk about, but it literally shapes our lives. And I just have a beautiful quote that you said, even today in a world fractured by religious, ethnic, political, philosophical, and racial divides, even with all our obvious differences, at the end of the day, at the most fundamental level, we are all the same. And you didn't say this, but I've taken the words that we seek community, connection, bonding, and acceptance. And it goes to that, right? If, if you are doing it, even with all of our differences, we all want to be accepted. We all want to feel part of a community. And so imagine this person that's writing to you with all of this, they're just, they don't want to be kicked out of the community. So talk to me about your conclusion that you came to, which is so freaking beautiful. And if ever there was more of a time that this quote is the most beautiful, it is now with so much divide and racial divide in this country. Um, so talk to me about that and how you kind of came to that conclusion. 
Yeah, I mean that was really that that was the conclusion. What you you know what you just said that was the conclusion of the book and the talk and and everything. And I think very much where I sit right now, especially in these times, we're just seeing more and more data <laughs> showing us that we're a deeply divided world and and country, and we keep focusing on the things that tear us apart as opposed to the things that bind us together. Um, so I think that's that was my conclusion, sort of simplistic but um, earnest conclusion. And so I would love for us to get to a place where we can start focusing on the things that really matter and that we can, you know, look across the aisle or whatever other artificial divides um, we have and start building more bridges. I mean, that's my naive hope. I sound like a politician, but it's really... (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, you said said you're the simplistic, um, you know, takeaway, but that's what makes it powerful. Like it doesn't get it confused or complicated or caught up in, you know, really um, any ideology apart from the simplicity of everyone's looking for the same thing. You know, you said like health, happiness, love, you know, um, and we all seek that in different ways, whether that's, uh, you know, Christianity, um, you know, Jewish, Muslim, witches, you know, um, gurus, like no matter what that is, we're all seeking for the same thing, which is why I love your conclusion. So if there's one thing that people can take away now, if they've listened to this and they're like, you know what, it's not that I, I'm going to change my religion or my beliefs, but I'm, you know, open to it. What kind of advice would you give them? Hmm. So not that so much that they have to change their beliefs. I think it's more just being curious about other people's beliefs. Like that's really what it comes down to is that openness and curiosity. Like I'm not here to try to change anybody's beliefs. Again, I don't even know that I changed my own. It's more that I was willing to put myself in other situations and other people's spaces to learn what they believed and to see what resonated for me. And I think that'd be my takeaway. Just like be open and have a conversation with somebody you think you really disagree with or that has a belief system that you think is really different from your own. So I bet if you really peel back the onion, um, you'll find that it's just not true. It's not that different. Yeah. Amazing. Where can people find your book? Where can people find you and follow all, you know, all these incredible things that you're doing? For sure. So my book is still available in bookstores to the extent that bookstores are open and operating. And so certainly libraries or our, our dear friend at Amazon or, um, ideally an independent bookseller near yours shop local and shop small let's keep these people in business uh, so you can definitely find Stalking God my unorthodox search for something to believe in and then on socials I'm at Anjali Kumar alright awesome guys 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 check out her book check her out check out her TED talk it's freaking amazing she's so funny and impactful and inspiring all at the same time which is very hard to do so go check her out And I really, really do hope, guys, that this conversation has um, opened up just curiosity, like she said, and also to open up your arms and greet people where they are with whatever they believe in, even if it's different to yours, even if it's different to mine, so that we can create a society that no matter where you come from, what you believe in, what you look like, we all are just one big community because we believe in the same thing, happiness, love, and health. All right, guys, until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.